Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. An area that I've been talking a lot about is Bitcoin versus gold. So right now in the environment that we're in, um, a lot of investors are concerned over those rising rates. Roxana, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to be back. All right. So look, last time you joined me, which was in uh, early August, that was just after we saw that wave of Ethereum futures ETF filings. Like I'm sure you recall in the span of it was about two weeks, there were something like 14 Ether futures ETF filings from uh, 10 different issuers. It was something close to that. Now, of course, fast forward to last week, seven of these have since launched. Uh, I guess the SEC apparently accelerated the launch of these in anticipation of a potential government shutdown. So these came to market pretty quickly. But in any event, as I'm sure you recall, uh, back then, you and I talked about how demand for these was likely to be pretty minimal. And uh, sure enough, that's exactly what we saw last week. There just wasn't a, a whole lot of interest here. So I ran the numbers over the weekend and show about 17.5 million in uh, net new assets into these seven ETFs last week. 17.5 million combined. <laughs> That's it. And so uh, to start, I'd love to just get your uh, initial reaction here. This was much different than what we saw from Bitcoin futures ETFs a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I don't think it's it's been much of a surprise, um, you know, especially when you compare it to those um, Bitcoin futures launches, uh, Bitcoin future ETF launches a couple of years ago. Um, so when BITO launched um, in 2021, it was the first of its kind, and it, it's currently still the market leader. Um, it traded around a billion on its first day in October 2021, compared to about seven million on that first day for these seven Ether futures ETFs. That's a huge difference. Um, but I think there's several things going on here. So first of all, if you just look at um, pure Bitcoin versus pure Ether, so not ETFs, but just Bitcoin versus Ether. Um, Bitcoin has far more popularity. So it has about 50% market share in the crypto market versus Ether, which has less than 20% market share. So it's logical to assume that Ether products would have less demand than Bitcoin products. Um, and also the crypto environment was totally different back then. So when, when Bitcoin was launched, um, Bitcoin was, you know, it was reaching about its peak popularity. Um, I think soon after that's when it hit its highest prices over 60k um, soon after that launch and then now if you look at bitcoin you know, it's a little bit less exciting it's down over 50 percent and ether um you know it trades pretty similarly so you know it, it peaked back then and now it's down even more at about 65 percent since that same peak so there's less widespread interest in the market right now compared to what there was two years ago and then also i think um partly because of grayscale we've all been talking about spot versus futures for a while now and all the advantages of spot ETS. So it makes sense that people just aren't going to be excited um, about a futures product after hearing um, that same story for several months. Completely agree with all three of those reasons you just laid out. And, and I'll add, again, when you joined me back in uh, early August, we talked about how the crypto environment overall was much less uh, frothy. And you pointed out, which I thought was a perfect example, if you look to the blockchain ETFs, right, the uh, crypto equity ETFs, those have been on top of the ETF performance leaderboard all year long, and the flows just haven't been there. So, so even though 
you know, that, that performance has been there. Investors, I think they were just burned last year, and so they've stayed away from this space overall. I think that's been a big contributor. But, of course, uh, I think at the end of the day, investors really want spot products, and we can talk about that here in just a moment. Let, let me ask you this. From an ETF issuer's perspective, I feel like if you and I can see that there's not going to be much demand here on these uh, Ether futures ETFs, surely the issuers can as well. Right. I, I mean, I know you and I are pretty darn good, but there are some very smart people at these ETF issuers. So why launch these Ether Futures ETFs if they knew demand was going to be light? Yeah, so I think there's still demand for these products and it might not be a lot, but you can make that argument for a lot of these different ETF strategies, especially for a lot of these um, smaller, obscure thematic strategies. You know, there's obviously a space in the market and you know it's not going to be the ETF of the year, but you still want to grab that market share if you can. Um, and I think that's a really good point about marketing because I've, I've been a little surprised over the past week because I assumed that this was going to be all about fees and the cheapest one would get the most assets quickly, um, which has been mostly true. So um, out of the pure Ether ETFs, uh, the Vanek product, EFUT, has the cheapest fees at about 66 basis points. Um, but, you know, if you look at the, the trading data, um, it traded only slightly more shares than the ProShare product, um, EETH. And, you know, it's, it's doing a little bit better in assets, um, but only slightly. <laughs> and EETH actually has an expense ratio of 95 basis points. So that's pretty surprising to me that um, the, you know, the cheaper product isn't significantly ahead. But I guess it also makes sense since ProShare's is a market leader in, in the Bitcoin futures ETFs with their Bitto product. Um, I just didn't expect it to be so close. So I think name recognition matters, and I think this will be important when we start seeing some of these spot Bitcoin launches in the future. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, again, if I'm the ETF issuer, and again, you and I sat here and said, look, we, we think demand for these is going to be pr pretty light overall. And so if I'm the ETF issuer, why go through the time and effort and cost to launch these uh, if, if you don't think there's going to be a lot of assets. And I, I've wondered if, like you mentioned, Van Eck, if they simply viewed this as a marketing endeavor or marketing expense. I actually tweeted this out uh, that, you know, think about this. Every media publication is covering these ETFs. You and I are sitting here talking about them. Uh, this definitely gets the ETF issuer's brand out there, right? It, it positions them as being more uh, forward-thinking, around crypto, which I do think could be helpful longer term as spot crypto ETFs come to market. But d does that make sense? I mean, do you think this could just be simply a marketing play for some of these issuers? Or do you really think they all thought they had a legit shot of getting meaningful assets? And I hear you, maybe demand for these will I increase over time. But in, again, I want to talk about uh, the spot market here in a minute. If you just think about this high level, I think it's very possible that we have spot crypto ETFs say, a Bitcoin, uh, a spot Bitcoin ETF in January, maybe a spot Ether ETF, I, I don't know, sometime later in Q1, Q2, don't hold me to that, but you, you get my point. W where I'm heading is that would make these futures-based ETFs obsolete. And so I'm just trying to get into the mindset of I'm an ETF issuer, why launch these? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're building their name in this space, like like ProShares did. Um, you know, I, I saw Vanek's video and I thought it was it was pretty cool. So they did have some really cool cool marketing around this product. So yeah, I think it's it's about building your name in the space. And when these um, spot Bitcoin products are launched, um, you know, you'll you'll already have sort of a good head start um, just being known in the crypto ETF market. 
Yeah, I, well, you mentioned a Vanek. They had a, a tweet that said, so can I interest you or the aunties and some of our other ETF offerings? And they had a link to their uh, ETF page. So I, I think that's a good example, right? They, they drew in some eyeballs by offering these Ether Futures ETFs. And I'm sure they were hoping more assets were going to be in those. But they uh, you know, quickly said, hey, we have some eyeballs on us. Let's see if we can get uh, some interest in our other products. The, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting in this whole thing, and we, and we can move on here. I just like I, I wondered if some of the issuers who didn't even launch products um, were just doing it for marketing purposes. So, so for example, Roundhill, you may recall, got a ton of media coverage for uh, updating the expense ratio on their Ether Futures ETF filing to 19 basis points, right? But they didn't launch. They sat this entire thing out. But just them updating the expense ratio got them a ton of media buzz and media coverage. And I, I just, I don't know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I just, I wonder if we'll see more of this where as the cost for filing for ETFs comes down, you know, you know, why not put a filing out there? Why not file for some other crypto spot ETF just to see if you can get the media to cover you uh, and just view it as a marketing spec, uh, expense? But um, in any event, okay, spot crypto ETF. So like I said, if we just take a step back here, we do now have Bitcoin futures ETFs. We have Ethereum futures ETFs. We have combined Bitcoin and Ether futures ETFs. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, the SEC has lost their case to Grayscale, which, by the way, we should be getting some news on that, what, any day now, right, in terms of whether or not the SEC is going to appeal that. But if you add this all up, um, again, I would say things are looking pretty good for spot Bitcoin ETF approval. And then as I laid out previously, and I laid this out last time you were on the podcast, I won't go through all the logic here. But, you know, bottom line is, I think it's pretty logical to assume that if we do get a spot Bitcoin ETF, assuming that grayscale ruling stands, a spot Ether ETF wouldn't be far behind. And so I'm just curious, I mean, how close do you think we actually are to getting spot products? Is this whole thing a foregone conclusion now? Yeah, I think I think you could say that I'm sort of with consensus on this. I mean, I think if you asked me several months ago, I I, I said that there was no way that there was going to be any spot uh, ETF products launched in the in the next few months. Um, but now it seems like it'll be, if not by the end of this year, at least by early 2024. And I think that's the way the majority of people are thinking right now. Um, you know, obviously, the Grayscale victory was a huge turning point, and it just sort of seems like the SEC doesn't have many options left when it comes to approving these uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs. I mean, Ether futures ETFs aren't necessarily um, a guaranteed green light for the spot Bitcoin ETFs because it's, it's just another futures product if you think about it. But at a certain point, you have to wonder how they can approve basically everything but spot Bitcoin ETFs. Um, I think the, the one important thing from this launch is that um, some people were thinking that the SEC might go as far to rescind um, these Bitcoin futures ETFs in an attempt to justify not approving Bitcoin ETFs. Um, I thought it was a little fresh, but I mean, now we know it's probably not going to happen because why would they launch these either futures ETFs and then rescind them soon after? So I think that's that's the important takeaway I'm getting from here. No, I agree with that. I think I was actually probably in that camp um, earlier in the year where I thought that was a real possibility that the SEC could rescind the, uh, the, the future or the uh, Bitcoin futures ETFs. But I think to, to what you're what you're saying, I 100 percent agree. I mean, they they allowed a, a, a what a two times leverage Bitcoin futures ETF to come to market. Now they've allowed all these Ether futures ETFs. That's just not going to happen. And, you know, if you look at the um, 
I, I think the sentiment out there, especially from ETF issuers, I actually tweeted this out last week uh, as well. I was pretty busy on Twitter, <laughs> apparently, but um, there were comments, let's see, last Monday from Bitwise's Matt Hogan and uh, Jan Van Eck, who's, of course, the CEO of Van Eck. And the, they were both on CNBC. So let me read these to you. Matt said, quote, I expect we'll see a spot Bitcoin ETF this calendar year. And then uh, Jan said, quote, it looks like early in 2024, we will probably see a spot product. And so clearly issuers are feeling uh, pretty good here. And, you know, the word is there's a lot more dialogue now between the SEC and issuers on the spot Bitcoin ETF filing. So it just feels like, uh, you know, things are heading in that direction. Um, let, let, Let me ask you this. Let's say we do get a spot Bitcoin ETF in January. I'm, I'm very curious what you think the demand will actually uh, be like. And, and, and let me color that a little bit. So something else I tweeted out over the weekend was uh, Bitwise's Matt Hogan saying that he thinks U.S. listed uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs will gather $55 billion in net inflows during the next five years. That did not include the uh, roughly $17 billion in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. And uh, again, you and I really haven't talked about what demand may be moving forward. What do you think about that number? And I guess, do you think expectations should be tempered at all following this lackluster debut of the Ether Futures ETFs? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with him. Um, You know, I'm a little bit less bullish, I think. I mean, I think there will be more demand for these spot Bitcoin ETFs products for sure, Um, more more so than we've seen um, with the Ether Futures products, I don't really think it's reflective of one another. Um, but I'm also thinking like that window of opportunity has kind of gone down. If these had come to market a couple of years ago, um, I think there would have been all sorts of demand for it. And now that sort of died down for some of the reasons we talked about a few minutes ago, mainly the fact that uh, Bitcoin prices are like 50% below their peak, a lot less exciting than they were a couple of years ago. Um, I think we're also getting to the point where investors start to move away from risky assets. And that's not just crypto, but that's across the board. Um, but I think there's still a dedicated portion of the market that's been waiting for these. And then there's probably going to be some market share taken from uh, Bitcoin futures ETFs. Plus, there's the opportunity to attract new investors. So I think overall, there will be some strong demand. Um, and the demand we saw from these Ether futures ETFs is completely independent from what we'll see for spot Bitcoin ETFs. Yeah, I think that's well said. I think you're, you're right. Probably um, we won't see the level of demand that maybe we would have seen a couple of years ago. But I still stand by you know, my prediction that I do think these spot Bitcoin ETFs, when they launch, they will be the uh, biggest launches in the industry's history. And we can measure that however you want in terms of assets on the first week or first month. I think there's still going to be a tremendous amount of uh, demand. Again, whether it, it will be to the level that maybe I thought it would it would be a couple of years ago, I, you know, I don't know. But um, I still think that you know, fit would amount say fifty five billion in the next five years. I can de- I can definitely see that because you look at physical gold ETFs, and those have been on the market now for twenty years. So this isn't a perfect comparison, but those have something like a hundred plus billion in uh, total assets. And I think that's at least some, you can use that at least as a proxy for what Bitcoin ETF potential may be longer term. Uh, and so I, I wonder if Matt's even being a little conservative here. And I, if I recall in those comments that he made, you know, he said, hey, that $55 billion isn't showing up overnight. Again, that's over a five-year period. So that feels reasonable to me. But uh, Roxana, we'll have to leave it there. Excellent stuff as uh, always. Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you.
That was Roxana Islam, Associate Director of Research at Vetify.